0: And in 10-3. Faces are loaded for Verlander who waits on a real He swings
1: and it's a high fly ball, deep center field, it is gone, home run, and a huge backflip to celebrate. Alright Ben, start the show already. What is up everybody, welcome into a new episode of Flippin' Bats, new week, new episode, let's do this. We have so much to talk about from around the league. It was a great week of baseball. So we'll round the bases, top storylines. It's also the first episode of the week, which means power rankings. And there's a big shakeup. We got a lot of teams moving around this week. Pumped to get to that. This week in Shohei Otani news on the Monday episode. And last week, this episode, we did top hitters in the game of baseball. This week, we're gonna do the top pitchers top five pitchers in the game of baseball so stick around for that that'll be coming up in a little bit but let's get into it producer conrad is out here how was your week my friend did you watch a lot of baseball i think everybody knows by this point that you're a big mariners fan so i hope for your sake that you didn't watch a lot of baseball it wasn't
0: pretty for them i tried to watch as little as possible i feel like every time (laughs) i turned on the game trevor's story was either hitting a home run a grand slam or there was just something awful happening uh yeah, it was yeah. a long weekend for baseball for me. Trevor Story now apparently is the best player in baseball, and that's just something that I have to deal with internally. I know a lot of fans out there probably feel the same way if their team isn't playing up to expectations. But you know what? Let's talk about a team that is playing out their expectations in these L.A. Dodgers and how impressive they've been to start the year.
1: Yeah, the Los Angeles Dodgers are they're rolling. Uh, and heading into Sunday, they had won seven games in a row, And, you know, I had continuously said that, yeah, the Dodgers are really good, but I feel like they haven't really scratched the surface of what they're capable of being. And they've started to do that a little bit. And and it's been the offense that has really turned it on and started to get going. Uh, They're now the first team and the only team in all of Major League Baseball to have multiple win streaks of six games or more. Uh, they got to seven games this time, and Mookie Betts, to be honest with you, is is the one carrying them right now. Um, he he hadn't been very good to start the year. He was one of the reasons that I said I don't think they've really scratched the surface, which was crazy because they still were you know the best team in the National League, or or at least up there. And now Mookie is absolutely killing the ball. He hit 393 with three homers, eight RBIs in the last week. I mean, Mookie Betts is back to being one of the best players in baseball, at least he is right now. And as a result, the Dodgers are rolling. And and this is what I knew was possible. Not that team that's gonna win three out of, you know, three out of five games or six of ten. It's the team that is capable of rattling off winning every single game in a week. Now, they had the win streak going heading into Sunday, and then they lost in a just brutal way by the way. Not sure if anybody was watching that, but the win streak came to an end on Sunday when a routine ground ball to second base was booted. That would have ended the game. Two runs score on that, but the Dodgers are still rolling. They're in first in the NL West, and like I said, it has been the offense that has turned it around. Listen into some of this. Over the course of that seven-game win streak, they scored 6.43 runs per game, which was first in Major League Baseball. They had A on-base percentage of 368 best in baseball. An OPS of 879 best in baseball. And the the numbers just keep rolling offensively. To start the year, it was this pitching staff. It was the pitching rotation, which everybody looked at the lineup that added Freddie Freeman and thinks, oh my god, this is going to be the greatest team of all time. And the offense just wasn't really rolling. You have Max Muncy, who's still not playing well. Justin Turner picking up a little bit, but wasn't playing well. Cody Bellinger not playing well. Mookie Betts wasn't playing well. It was the pitching staff that was one of the top in all of baseball that was carrying the way, which is what led me to say, I don't think this Dodgers team has scratched the surface of what they can be. But I am here now to tell you that the surface has been scratched, my friends. The Dodgers are rolling. The offense is rolling. Mookie Betts is on a tear back to his MVP-like days, and it has been, um, it has been a dominant past week for the Los Angeles Dodgers. I don't know. There's, there's not much else to say in terms of it just being dominant. Producer Conrad, it has been, um, it has been a force to be reckoned with out there for the Dodgers. It really has been.
0: Absolutely, it has been, you know, and I think one trade that a lot of people thought that last year when the Dodgers acquired Max Scherzer and then Trey Turner just got thrown into it, I think a lot of people forget like how big of a deal that was. Even though Scherzer left, Trey Turner is still playing at extremely high level and he does it all. He's extremely dangerous on the bases. He's basically a Gold Glove shortstop. He's tremendous, and you know the Dodgers have found a way to get acquire these young pieces, get rid of them to bring in these guys like the Trey Turner, the Mookie Betts, you know, you bring in Freddie Freeman off of free agency. And we talked about a lot last postseason where they had the best team on paper, but you didn't believe that that was going to translate to them winning the world championship. Do you have those same thoughts this year or are you seeing finally the best team on paper being the best team in baseball?
1: Well, this is what they have been. They've been the best team on paper and they run through the regular season, and then it hasn't exactly translated to success in the playoffs. Now, if you consider success an NL championship, which many do and and should, that is success in its own right. But with this Dodgers team, in my opinion, it's championship or bust, and it has been for a couple of years. They have the best team on paper they get into the playoffs and then they lose in the nlcs they lose in the world series whatever it may be obviously in the COVID year they won in that shortened year but i i need to see this team winning when when it comes playoff time and getting getting that championship getting to the world series and then winning it because this team is far too talented and then you hear last year they acquire max scherzer and trey turner And in my opinion, the second they got those, it was if this team doesn't win a World Series, it is a bust of a year. It is a failure of a year. I have those same exact feelings this year. So this segment right here is all about highlighting the team that they are right now and how they have gotten to where their potential should be, where they're just dominating a division and dominating games and dominating weeks. That is what the Dodgers should be doing. Now, if we want to have a postseason discussion, that's an entire different discussion because they need to prove that this roster that they've spent a lot of money on and there's a lot of stars and it is the best roster on paper in the game of baseball, in my opinion, it is championship or bust for this Dodgers team. They are playing well. They should be playing well. They should win a division title. They need to. And they need to get to the World Series. Anything other than that is a failure in my opinion.
0: Yeah, that totally makes sense. And, you know, it's one of those things where there's no way when it comes to October that this will be even the full team that the Dodgers are putting out. They're definitely going to make moves to the deadline. The teams that are going for it are always going to make those moves and make that push, the Surger, the Turner, whatever it might be.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, we, we talked about it a little bit um in, a, in, a, in an episode last week how their depth is what makes them so dominant in The regular season. And and you might think, what do you mean they're depth? They're full of superstars. Yes, also helpful. But in a regular season that is 162 games, you're going to run through some bumps and bruises and have guys get hurt. And you're going to have a Clayton Kershaw, who's pitching really well, get hurt. And go down and you're gonna need guys to step up and it just seems like they continually have those guys that are able to step up you're able to have Justin Turner struggle and have Rios come in and play really well you're able to have Gavin Lux not play every day who'd be an everyday player anywhere else this team unlike most any other is capable of winning in the regular season because of superstar talent and because of the depth they have, And we're already seeing it this year. We're already seeing some guys get hurt. Obviously, nobody wants to see, well, anybody get hurt. But Clayton Kershaw going down, just, everybody loves that guy. He goes down, and the rotation steps up and continues to be one of the best in baseball. And that is just a credit to the GM, the ownership that built this team full of superstars, but it's not just those superstars. Because we've seen it on the other side, Of LA with the Angels for years now. We've seen a team that has its superstars, but what else? And now this year, the Angels finally add in some depth, and we've seen them be good. That speaks volumes to ownership and GM with the Dodgers. They have their superstars, but they have that depth that is able to carry them even when they go through some injuries and those bumps and bruises that come with a 162-game regular season.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. The 162 games, you have to have an exceptional amount of depth if you're going to be able to be consistently good or great throughout the regular season. Now let's head over to second base, where unfortunately it's the the tough luck Detroit Tigers had a lot of injuries. Speaking
1: this year. of speaking of bumps and bruises, let's let's talk about the Detroit Tigers. And let me start this by saying I don't believe there is an excuse for the way that the Detroit Tigers are playing. I have been disappointed in the way the team has played the team that is on the field, and I do think that they are better than what they have been playing. With that said, the injuries this year have just been ridiculous. The the entire starting rotation is wiped out. Casey Mize, Matt Manning, um, Eduardo Rodriguez, uh Terek Skubal gets hurt the other day. I mean, it's just remarkable. Uh Pineda. Pineda gets hurt and then comes back and looks like he's going to be okay. And then he gets hurt again. The rotation. All. All of them out. Scuba looks like he's not going to miss much time and is going to come back. But it's remarkable what's going on there just in the starting rotation. And then you look around and you have Austin Meadows, who is a big signing in the offseason, comes over and now he's out for a while, and he's got this weird vertigo thing going on, and and A.J. Hinch was quoted as saying, I am concerned. We're very concerned with what's going on with Austin. Nobody really, I mean, it is, it's a tough situation. Javi Baez comes over. He's the big offseason signing. He starts the year off playing pretty well, and then he goes down for a while. Akil Badu, who gets sent down, hasn't even played in Toledo. He gets hurt. The the future of the Tigers comes along. Spencer Torkelson and Riley Green. Guess what? No Riley Green. He gets hurt in spring training. I mean, yes, the Tigers shouldn't be in last place. They are talented enough to not be where they are. But the injuries are certainly a massive reason for where they are as well. I mean, even the manager, A.J. Hinch has been out with an illness. It is wild what is going on in Detroit. The, The injuries... The illnesses. I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. They have the most guys on the IL of any team in Major League Baseball. And on top of that, I want to talk about one of those injuries, Riley Green. To start the year, the Detroit Tigers and the Detroit Tigers fan base, it just felt different. It felt exciting heading into a season once for for the first time in a few years. There was a sense of excitement. Now, I didn't think going into this year that this was the year. This is going to be the year the Tigers are back and they make the playoffs. I didn't believe that. But I did think there would be a corner turn and they'd be a better team and they'd be similar, if not better, to that team that we saw in the second half of the year last year. So then you think, okay, there's a lot of excitement. Torkelson and Riley Green are going to make the team and compete for a Rookie of the Year award in the American League. Well, guess what? Riley Green gets hurt. He doesn't make the, he doesn't break camp with the big league team, obviously, and he still hasn't played in the big leagues. In my opinion, that was a bigger blow than just Riley Green's production on the field not making the team. That was a big blow to, to the team, to the fan base, to the sense of excitement to start the year. And, and obviously, Torkelson comes up and you're so excited, but the two of those guys, The future, they've done everything together in the organization the entire way they have moved up together. They have talked about wanting to play in the big leagues at the same time together, making their debut, being, being incredible and and changing the culture in Detroit together. And then they're supposed to break camp together and he gets hurt. And it just, in hindsight, turns out to be a, you know, a, a sign of what's to come for this Tigers team. I mean, this is bad luck. Like, anything I have seen in a long time. It has been brutal. You look at the starting rotation, and it is depleted. And credit to them, credit to the young guys, credit to the organization for the arms that they have, because the guys that have continued to come up and be good have filled in very well. Alex Fayeto, who's been hurt previously, looks like a stud, but I, I don't know what is going on in Detroit. It has been bad. It has been bad luck. I, I wish and think they they should be playing better, but man, tough luck Detroit Tigers is the is the caption we see on this segment. And that doesn't even begin to talk about it. I mean it is it is wild what's happening there in Detroit.
0: Yeah, you hate to see things happen and unfold like that. You never want to see players get injured or anything affect a season like that. But you know, there are some positives that are probably gonna come from this. When players go down, starters go down the young puppies get a chance to go out there and run around and show what they can do. And hopefully maybe a couple, one, two, three of them steps up. And then a year or two from now, you can turn around and look at this season as a win. But for the time being, you hate to see all the injuries. And uh, speaking of young players, let's move on over to third base, young players, keeping franchises, hopes alive.
1: That's right. Um, You know, I want to talk about Adley Rutschman for a minute and, and what he means you know, not just to, to the Orioles, to the team, but to the fan base. You know, Adley Rutschman is the prize prospect and number one prospect in baseball for years. The Orioles haven't been very good for years, and they aren't very good this year. But you know what happened over the weekend? That prize prospect, that number one prospect that everyone has been waiting to see in the big leagues for so long got the call and in that moment that the other night when he made his debut I was tuning in so many were tuning in to watch his debut so many people showed up to Oriole Park at Camden Yards to watch him make his debut that's what it's all about for for one night it was about hope it was about the potential it was about the future and Adley Rutschman took the field, took off his helmet, the smile on his face, turned around, took it all in. If you haven't watched the video, by the way, do it. I mean, this was a special moment. He, he took the field, literally did a 360 behind the plate, got down into his crouch, patted his glove, and said, all right, let's do this. And uh, it was special. The crowd was going Nuts for him. He got a triple in the game. The crowd was chanting Adley, chanting his name. It's about hope. It is. It's about the future. And, And we heard it recently on the show. We had Cedric Mullins on and talked about Adley and the future of this team and how exciting it is and how close the future is. This is a glimpse, a taste of that future being close. That's what it's all about. It's about those young players, these young prized prospects, coming up on teams that haven't been very good in a while and giving you hope, hope for the future. I, I love to see it, and we've gotten to see it a few times this year. We see it with, with Julio Rodriguez on a team that has the longest drought, in the, the longest playoff drought in major sports, in all of in all of sports. That's wild. And Julio comes up, and you can feel it in Seattle this year. Oh, man. Our guy, the guy we've been hearing about for so long, he made the team. Let's do this. Bobby Witt Jr. for the Royals, he makes the team. And it's like, Oh yeah, let's do it. And I don't think these fan bases, with an exception of Seattle, because I do think that team is and was ready to win. I don't think the Royals set out and said, Oh man, Bobby Witt Jr.'s made the team. We're going to the World Series. No, but it's a sense of, man. Now we get to watch our guy that we've been hearing about for years being a top prospect in baseball. I get to go to the ballpark and watch this guy play, a guy that could potentially be a perennial all-star someday in this league. That's what we're seeing. That's what's so cool about these guys getting called up. We see it the other day. Adley Rutschman gets called into his manager's office in AAA, and he gets sat down, and I love these. I am a sucker for these. Gets the The manager goes through a whole spiel of, how, hey, we don't need you to do any more than you're doing. We're giving you some off days just to, you know, to keep you fresh and blah, blah, blah. And at the end of it, he said, and you need to be, you need to be fresh because you're going to Camden Yards to play in the major leagues. And at that moment, um, his entire team came running in, celebrating with him, um, you know, piling on top of him. Because it's true. It's a grind in the minor leagues, and that guy, the guy that you've become family with, has made it. And it's been a long journey for him, the injuries that have come up, and now the fan base got to see him, and they showed up for him in droves. It was so cool. It was awesome. And it's a sense of hope, and that's what makes it so cool. I don't think anybody, at least you shouldn't, I don't think anybody thinks Adley Rutschman gets called up to the big leagues and, hey, the Orioles are going to rattle off 20 in a row and be right there with the Yankees. No, but it's, okay, this guy is here. He's getting that experience, and in two years, we could be competing. And it's just it's, it's really cool to see it happening around the league with a few of those top super prospects, and Adley Rutschman is certainly one of them, and, and the most recent to make the big leagues and give that fan base a sense of hope. It, it's really cool, and, and I, I love those moments a lot.
0: Yeah, I mean, how can you not love them? I obviously, big Mariners fan, you know, and over the last three years, I can't tell you the amount of times I did know that I've I heard I, that I, the amount of times that I have checked the stats of Julio Rodriguez, Jared Kelnick, Noel Ve Marte, George Kirby, Logan Gilbert, just looking at their double A stats, their triple A stats, seeing every single night their highlight plays. And the biggest word that we have in our topic bar right now is hope, because for a lot of teams that are in the small markets, You uh, baseball is a very unique thing and where it's not the NFL or NBA where the the number one overall pick is playing on your team the next year. You have no clue when that guy is going to come down the pipeline and finally make the big leagues. So when he does, you have to appreciate it. And I know I have for sure this year with Julio, it's been a down year. But hope is the only thing I feel like a lot of small markets have. And every now and again, you get a chance to win it all. But it starts somewhere.
1: it, It is cool because baseball is it's different than any other sport, and, and you get drafted first overall in the NBA, you're going to be in the NBA and making a difference that year. You get drafted first overall in the NFL, you're going to be in the NFL making a big difference for your team that year. Baseball's not that way, and it's a grind to get to where you're going. And, and an organization, as an Orioles fan, they hear with their first pick, Adley Rutschman, okay, great, this guy's going to make a difference for us when... And then you start hearing about him making a difference in the minor leagues and how good he is. And that hope just builds and builds and builds. And then the day comes after two, three years, we get to see our guy in person on the field that he's going to make a difference for our team for a long time to come. And it and it really, it really is cool and it is special and it's something that makes baseball different. One of a few things that makes di- baseball different than than any other sport out there. So I just wanted to talk about that. So uh,
0: where are we going next, Producer Conrad? Yeah, so we're going to head over to home plate, which is the Astros train keeps on rolling. I like
1: that. The Astros, the Houston Astros train keeps on rolling. A nod to Bobby Dynamite up there on the train tracks in Houston. Shout out Bobby Dynamite. Um, so shout out Bobby Dynamite. They are. They're they're rolling, and you know it begs the question of why. What has given us any other thought than the Houston Astros are the best team in the American League? And I know the Yankees have been playing better than anybody, but there is certainly a conversation of the Astros are the best team in the American League, and another conversation of are the Astros better than they were last year? And You know, I certainly think they could be, and let's dive into that a little bit, because now the Astros are absolutely rolling. They're first place in the AL West when everybody, rightfully so, is talking about the Angels and how good they are, but, you know, I I think coming into this year, there was a little bit of a different feel from the outside, because, oh my God, they let Carlos Correa get away, and now you that core is broken up, and are the Astros going to be good, and the answer to that question is not only are they good, they might even be better. And and it's for a few reasons. And obviously you don't lose a guy like Carlos Correa and directly become better at that position. Carlos Correa is one of if not the best shortstops in the game of baseball. But Jeremy Peña has stepped in and been fantastic, which we'll dive into in a second, but I think this team, very much so, could be better than, than the team last year. And, and for me, a big part of that is the pitching. This pitching rotation has been phenomenal. Justin coming back has been perhaps the best pitcher in baseball. We're going to get into that in a minute with my top five pitchers in, in all of Major League Baseball. But he's been a top pitcher in the game of baseball this year. Fromber Valdez has been fantastic. I mean, the the starting pitching... This year is better than last year. That is just a fact. Let's look into that. Runs allowed per game. Last year, 4.06 runs per game. This year, 3.20, which is the second best in baseball. Opponent slugging percentage. Last year, sixth best in baseball. This year, the first best in baseball. Opponent OPS. Last year, the rotation was sixth best. This year, the best. I mean, the numbers just go on with how good it is this year. Starter ERA. Last year, fifth best. This year, second best. But here, right here, is the biggest difference when you look at the Detroit or the, the Houston Astros and their team this year and what makes them better the bullpen. Last year's Astro ERA was 4.06, which is 15th in baseball, middle of the pack. This year's bullpen ERA 2.64. The best in all of baseball. Hector Neris, Rafael Montero, Ryan Presley, Ryan Stanick. They're great. And right now they are the best bullpen in all of baseball. That's the difference. That is huge. And and this is another fact, and this this directly correlates to that bullpen. Last year, they had a .52 win percentage in one-run games. That's basically 50%. I'm not great at math, but .52 is pretty close, if not slightly better. That's last year. This year, they have a .615 win percentage in one-run games. The starting rotation is getting it done. The bullpen is the best in baseball. That's what, in my opinion, makes this team better this year: the starting pitching and the bullpen. Lance McCullers looks to be on the comeback trail. He's now throwing. He's ramping up his velocity. I saw, uh, I saw over the weekend he threw, got up to 80 miles an hour, and said he was very encouraged. So you add. Justin into that rotation, at the top of that rotation, you have another year of Framber Valdez getting better. Luis Garcia, Jose Urquidy are all getting better. And then you add back in Lance McCullers, who was one of the best pitchers in the American League last year? That rotation is slept on, on how good it really is. You add on top of that the best bullpen in baseball, and then you look at the lineup that lost Carlos Correa and adds Jeremy Pena in that spot when all, when all thought, hey, is this gonna, that's gonna be a pretty big downgrade. Look, Carlos Correa is perhaps the best shortstop in baseball, but Jeremy Pena has been no slouch. He has been fantastic in that spot. He has been every bit of the production of Correa this year, if not better. It's been remarkable. He's one of the top players in all of Major League Baseball in war as a rookie, as a rookie that's filling in with, I don't think this is a stretch to say, the biggest shoes to fill in the entire league. You lose Carlos Correa on a team that has been to five consecutive ALCSs, and then you're supposed to step in right there for the guy that just got paid more than any shortstop in the history of the game? Well, yes, he was expected to do that, and he's gone above and beyond, and he's been fantastic. I mean, he has, in 122 at-bats, 7 homers, 21 RBIs, he has a 2.2 war. That's every bit as good as any shortstop out there. I'm not saying he's the best shortstop in the league, but he has been more than serviceable from from what what they lost. He's been fantastic. So, what... What Jeremy Pena has brought to the team is another, just a sense of depth. And this team, the Houston Astros, is rolling. They haven't lost a beat. The pitching staff has been great. Jeremy Pena has been great. And specifically, Justin has been great. And that's what I want to talk about right now. I am here to kick off the Justin Verlander For Cy Young Award campaign. That's right. Justin's going to come back after almost two years of not pitching, and he's going to win the Cy Young Award. It is time to start talking about it, and I'm going to start talking about it right now because the numbers, they speak for themselves. Justin ranks, and this is amongst all starting pitchers that qualify, tied for fourth in innings. He leads Major League Baseball in wins. He has the fewest hits allowed, and he's one of only three pitchers that, allow, that has allowed less than 30 hits. He now has a 1.22 ERA this season at age 39, a year after having Tommy John surgery. Let's not, let's not gloss over that. Just over a year after having Tommy John surgery at now 39 years old, he is leading the league, all of the league, in these categories. ERA, 1.22. only The only starter under a 1.5, might I add. Lowest whip, 0.72. Lowest opponent batting average, 161. The only starter below 180, by the way. The lowest opponent on base percentage, 205. The only starter under 230. The lowest opponent slugging percentage, 236. The only starter under 270. (laughs) And the lowest opponent OPS, 441. The only starting pitcher that's under five hundred. He's the best pitcher in baseball. And it's really not even close right now. That's what those numbers say. That's what I say. And that's why we're kicking off the Justin Verlander for for Cy Young campaign. That's what's happening. He now has 3,062 strikeouts. He's 17 behind Max Scherzer, who's out for six to eight weeks. He's 23 behind John Smoltz, and he's 32 behind CeCe Sabathia. When he passes those guys, he will be 16th all-time on the Major League Baseball strikeout list. That's pretty cool. That's pretty special. Justin Verlander's been around for so long that the first three MLB batters he faced were Grady Sizemore, Coco Crisp, and Travis Hafner. He's 39 years old, and he's allowed seven earned runs in eight games. He's now thrown three consecutive starts without giving up a run. It is special, it is unprecedented, and it is hopefully en route to winning a Cy Young Award again at age 39, coming off of Tommy John. And it should be talked about, all the time. This is special, what we are seeing. Dusty Baker, the manager of the Houston Astros, who has been around the game of baseball and managed forever, played the game with, with Hank Aaron. He has been around the game for a long, long time, and he has managed many, many Hall of Famers. He said after Justin's start the other night, this guy is unlike almost any other player that I have ever had. That's pretty special. The numbers are special. The comments from the people around him are special. He is special. And to be honest with you, he's a hell of a brother and he's a special brother. And I hope this is just the beginning of the Justin Verlander Cy Young campaign. Producer Conrad, this is, this is special. What we're saying, man,
0: it absolutely is special, you know, and, uh, talking about your brother and his performance is one of those things that we've had the conversations where it's not always something that you want to talk about and address and you know it's it's one of those things that it must be addressed now because he's the top guy in baseball I told you earlier <laughs> I don't care what his name is I don't care what his last name is if this dude was doing what he's doing right now we would be talking about him probably even that much more like it's it's a situation yeah. where he he is just so impressive this year and a couple of weeks ago on episode on Thursday you know for for everyone out there that didn't hear it can you kind of give the explanation of how a guy that was a triple crown winner as a pitcher, a Cy Young winner 10 years ago, has turned this around as age 39 to where it's like watching a great in the post-end of their career, not even post-end of their career, just like a part of their career where it just all has come together. He's just painting. It's no longer just overpowering. He's painting people. And it's unbelievable. He's he's
1: he's pitching. He's pitching. And, you know, Justin comes up and He's one of the one of the best pitchers in baseball and and now um, I think it's fair to say that he is one of the best pitchers of all time and you know it's been it's been a journey and it's been a story of almost two different careers. You have the career where Justin's out there throwing 103 with a banger of a curveball and striking out everybody and he just had stuff that was better than than we've ever seen. There aren't many pitchers that are that start off the game throwing 92, 94, and then in the ninth inning, in his 105th pitch of the game, he's hitting 103 miles an hour. You know? That, that's what he's done. That's what he did at the beginning of his career. And he was able to get guys out that way. And now at age 39, coming off of Tommy John surgery, look, he doesn't have that stuff. He's not throwing 103, but... He's still, don't get me wrong. He's still throwing 98 miles an hour. He hit 98.3 the other day. I mean, that's well above, well above league average. As, that's incredible. So the stuff is still there, but he's learned how to pitch. He now is, is a master of his craft. He has, he has the craft, he masters his craft like a, like a soft tossing lefty while still having the stuff of a flame throwing righty. That's why he's here now. Because he's in that video room. Analyzing everything. Taking notes. Getting behind the scene. Getting about, you know, looking at the batters from, from his next start. Taking notes. Knowing how he wants to approach guys. Talking to his catcher. And then he goes out there and executes with his well above average stuff. But he's just a pitcher now. As a throw, as opposed to a thrower, He's a pitcher. That's why we're seeing what we're seeing. That's why we've seen, I don't wanna say a shift, because his entire career, he's been really good. But if you wanna ask the question of, how's Justin still doing this at 39 years old? Well, it's simple. He's taken really, really good care of himself. He's learned how to master his craft with video. Learned how to look at his mechanics, repeat his delivery. He's also learned how to prepare for new opponents. And he's also been able to thrive by keeping his stuff almost as good as it has been. He's still throwing 98 miles an hour. You add all of those together, and you get the best pitcher in baseball at age 39 years old. That's how you get that. So, yes, Houston Astros are rolling. Justin is rolling. Good things happening down there in Houston. Um, But where are they going to land on this week's Power Rankings. That's right. It's a Monday episode. That means my new Power Rankings are out. Top 10 Major League Baseball Power Rankings. Let's start with number 10. At 10, I have the St. Louis Cardinals. The Cardinals are still playing good baseball. They're hanging on by a thread in these top 10 rankings, but what they've been doing out there has been really fun. The the back-to-back of Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt has been Every bit of what you expected and more this year. Aaron is playing like an MVP candidate. Like he wants to win that MVP award. And uh, he'll certainly be in that conversation. The Cardinals come in at number 10. Let's move on to number 9. At number 9, the San Francisco Giants. They just keep doing it. Now, they have struggled a little bit this week. That's why they've moved down my list. They are now at number 9. They're on a bit of a losing streak heading into this new week. But the Giants are still really good. They're still a lot of fun. They do it in a lot of different ways. They pitch well. They hit well. They play defense well. They don't do anything, you know, at the best in baseball. Arguably, their their pitching staff is, is close. But they do everything above average. And that's why they're going to continue to be a good team. And that's why they come in at number nine right now in my power rankings. Moving on to number eight. At number 8, the Minnesota Twins. I I really, I really like this Minnesota Twins team. They're a lot of fun to watch. Byron Buxton is the definition of electric. Carlos Correa is back off the IL after his finger injury. He's playing much better baseball than he did to start the year. I almost think to start the year, he gets paid that contract. He's the most talked about guy in the offseason. He gets paid more than any shortstop ever, and... Puts a little pressure on himself, which is natural to do it. Now the Twins are playing really well. He's been playing there for a little while now. He's starting to play better. The Twins are really good. They're a lot of fun. They come in at number eight. Number seven on my list, we have the Los Angeles Angels. They have moved down slightly just from the week that they had, but they're still, look, the Angels are still really good. I've talked about it a lot with this team. It's no longer just the superstars there. It's no longer just Trout and Otani. The depth, the pitching, the back end of the bullpen, that's what makes them a good team. That's what makes them a top 10 team in the game of baseball, and that's what's going to potentially make them a playoff team. At number six, we have the Milwaukee Brewers. The Brew Crew are, here's what I want to say about the Brewers. They have an ability with the way their team is set up to not go on too many really bad stretches because of that pitching rotation. You have those top three that I always talk about, Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta. You know they're going to be good. You know they're going to keep you in games. And it kind of prevents you, even when your offense is struggling, from going on a stretch of losing five, six, seven games in a row. They're going to keep you in games. And they're going to be able to, when their offense isn't rolling, to kind of tread water and play well. When the offense is rolling, they're a top team in the game of baseball, hands down. So, it's a good combination to win in the regular season. Postseason, a little bit of a different conversation. They're going to have to prove that they're able to win in the playoffs. But right now, I have them at number six in my power rankings. At number five, the San Diego Padres. Man, they are rolling. They are really good. Manny Machado is playing like... The best player in baseball. That's what he's playing like. It has been remarkable what he has been doing out there. The Padres, even without the superstar, the MVP caliber talent of Fernando Tatis, have been great. The NL West is really, really good, man. That's a great division. The Padres are playing great. They look like, under Bob Melvin, they look every bit of a playoff team. Will it happen? I don't know, but they're on their way. At number four on my power rankings, the New York Mets. I don't know what's going on with the Mets and and their injuries. They just keep keep getting injuries piling up, and it just doesn't really matter. You know, obviously it matters, and it's never a good thing. But that's the thing with this team and the way it's built this year. Steve Cohen built a great team out there. It's special. It's a little different than years past, and they're able to step up. When somebody goes down, they step up. They're playing well. It's a next-guy-up mentality going on there. I know they have a lot of their pitchers down. Scherzer, DeGrom, McGill. It hasn't been great there for the pitching staff, but they continue to have guys step up and produce. That offense is much better than it has been because you have more guys that are capable of taking over a game than you did in years past. The Mets are still really good even despite all of their injuries. At number three, the Houston Astros. Those Astros are they're really good. They've they've turned, they've flipped that switch as I told you they would a while ago. They, you know, we're we sit three weeks into the year, and they're struggling, and I said, stop worrying. Stop freaking out. This team's going to be good. They could be even better than they were last year, and they've lost Carlos Correa. is perhaps the best shortstop in baseball. They lose him, and guess what? They may be even better. Pena has stepped in and been fantastic. He's been more than what you could have ever imagined and dreamed for as a rookie stepping into the biggest shoes and the biggest void in the entire sport. Then you have Justin come back and become what he has been his entire career, which is one of the best pitchers in baseball. And then you have a bullpen that is now the best in all of baseball. The Houston Astros' bullpen is the biggest difference for them last year, this year compared to last. Last year, they won about 50% of one-run games. This year, they're winning over 60% of one-run games. That's a lot to do with the bullpen. This team is complete. They are special, and that's why they're at number three on my power rankings. At number two, the Los Angeles Dodgers. They are back. They have moved up this list a little bit after a week where they get moved down, and to be honest with you, they needed to be moved down. They've changed. They have figured it out. They have also flipped that switch. Mookie Betts hit 393 over the course of the last week with three homers, eight RBIs. You know, it was the pitching staff that was the reason the Dodgers were so good. With one of the best lineups we've ever seen, it was the pitching staff. And it just made you wonder, oh my God, when the offense gets rolling, what can they be? Well, now they're rolling, and they're on their way back up the power rankings. Mookie's rolling. The rest of the offense is starting to play better. Max Muncie hasn't. So, I mean, you have to believe he's going to at some point. But this team is rolling. They had won seven in a row going into Sunday, and the Los Angeles Dodgers are back towards the top of my top ten power rankings. And at number one for a month rolling now, the fourth week in a row, The New York Yankees are at the top of the top. The Yankees are the best team in baseball right now. It's been a lot of fun to watch them play. Aaron Judge is on another level. He's going to make a lot of money, and he should, and I hope he does because he bet on himself, he turned down the Yankees, And look what he is doing. He is playing like a top player in the game of baseball. He is playing, to be honest with you, like an MVP. The entire team is playing well. Nestor Cortez has been an extremely awesome storyline this year. Um, I am a little concerned now. Could this be the last week with them at the number one spot? I don't know, but I'm a little concerned with Araldis Chapman at the back end of that bullpen. He's now given up a run or more. In a few consecutive outings. So, and then you hear Chad Green. This is awful news. Chad Green goes down. He's going to have to get Tommy John surgery. He's going to miss the rest of the year. He has been fantastic. He's on the top of the list for Yankees all-time relief appearances, by the way. That's a big blow. So you even more so need Chapman to step up and be great. But look, we're going to talk about how good this Yankees team is. How good they have been over the course of the last few weeks. They are... The best team in the game of baseball. And that's why they are at the top of this week's top 10 MLB Power Rankings. Alright, and now it is time for my favorite segment of the week. This week in Shohei Otani News. I'm going to talk about his bat heating up. He is starting to roll. I'm going to talk about why for Shohei, consistency is key. I also want to talk about how his work behind the scenes is absolutely incredible. It needs to be talked about even more. But let's start with his bat heating up. On Sunday, Shohei went deep again for the ninth time of the year. He is starting to roll. Over the course of the last two weeks, he's hitting 290. he He's got multiple home runs. He hit two home runs over the course of this past week. This is when you know Shohei Otani is locked in. For everybody listening, for everybody watching, when you watch Shohei Ohtani, when he is hitting home runs to dead center and to left center, that's how you know he is starting to lock in. And what he is doing right now is he's locking in. It has been a lot of fun to watch. Um, he has been rather inconsistent this year at the plate. It's It almost seemed like there would be games where he'd hit two home runs, and have a bunch of RBIs, and have three hits, and then there'd be a couple game stretch where he doesn't get a hit. Now it seems like he's starting to find that consistency a little bit more at the plate. He's driving balls up the middle. He's driving balls the other way instead of all of those. I felt like at the beginning of the year, a couple of times a game, we would see that Shohei would get a good pitch to hit, and he'd hit that chopping rollover to the right side. The second baseman would catch it and throw to first. Now we're not seeing as much of that. Now he's hitting a lot of balls up the middle, a lot of balls hard the other way, and that's how you really know he's heating up. And we saw it again on Sunday. That Sunday home run he hit it went over, over the bushes in center field at Angel Stadium. So center field is already really deep. The deepest part of the ballpark. Then you have these really big trees. Shohei went over the really big trees. I mean, it's remarkable the power this guy has. The power is remarkable. He doesn't even do much. He's not doing this big leg kick anymore. He's just keeping it simple. And the power, the force, the torque that he has up the plate, At the plate is allowing him to hit balls 450 feet to dead center field. It is remarkable, and for me, I'm just glad to see that Shohei is starting to heat up at the plate. It's been a lot of fun to watch lately, and I wouldn't be surprised if the next week or so we see him really take off those power numbers and hitting four home runs in a week. That'd be sick. Next up, I want to talk about how for Shohei, consistency is key. Now let's talk about with on the pitching side. His consistency is what's made him different this year on the mound. It almost felt like last year, yeah, he he obviously was throwing really good, but he would have a bunch of these blow-up games, and he couldn't find the strike zone. And there would be games where it looked like he wouldn't get out of the first inning. This year, the consistency has been key. He's had starts where, sure, he's gone out and he's had no-hit stuff. He's taken a perfect game late into the game. But then he's also had games where, in that first inning, it looks like it's not going to go well. He can't find the strike zone. But you know what? He figures it out. And he has a, he has a way of getting through six innings and, and giving up two earned runs and striking out seven guys and throwing a, a quality start. That was different than what we saw last year. The consistency wasn't there last year. He would have that start where he couldn't find the strike zone and he never really found it. And he wouldn't get out of the first inning. Or he'd really struggle and he'd give up. In those starts where he'd give up five or six runs last year, this year he's given up two runs. And then he's still having those starts where he looks perfect. And he's taking perfect games late into the game. That's been the difference on the pitching side. And in my opinion, Shohei Ohtani, Shohei Ohtani, could win a Cy Young Award in his career. It could be this year he's pitching like a Cy Young Award winner. It has been a blast to watch, and the difference this year is the consistency. Shohei Otani's average fastball velocity and a start the other night, 98.6 miles an hour. The hardest for any game is hit in his entire career. He threw eight pitches at 100 miles an hour, the second most, and he's likely done after 94 pitches in six innings. It's a 2-2 ball game. So that was the other night. 98.6 average velocity, throw, throwing multiple pitches over 100. That's the thing with Shohei. We had always heard this guy throws 100 miles an hour and he hits a bunch of bombs. Well, over the last couple of, over the last couple of years, it's almost seemed like, wow, he can't—he touched 100. Well, guess what? Now his average velocity is over 98 miles an hour. He's touching 100 miles an hour. He's throwing 100 miles an hour multiple times in a game. This is a different Shohei we're seeing on the mound this year. This is a more dominant Shohei we're seeing on the mound this year. This is a Cy Young quality Shohei Otani we are seeing on the mound this year. It's been a lot of fun to see, and consistency has been key for him there. On the offensive side, consistency is key as well. Now, this is, is going to be a little bit different for than we see with the pitching. The pitching, he has been consistent offensively. It hasn't exactly been consistent this year. The last couple of weeks have been much better, but like I said, it seems like there's a lot of outings, a lot of starts, where he'll have three hits or zero hits, which leads to a really good week. If you get three hits in two days, guess what? You're playing good baseball. You're looking good at the plate. Shohei Otani isn't good at the plate. He's elite At the plate, and it looks like he's starting to find that consistency. That's where he becomes dangerous. You remember that stretch he went on last year, where it seemed like every single night he was hitting a home run. I think we're close to that. I do. I think we're close to that. He's hit five homers in the last couple of weeks, and it looks like he's starting to get on that roll. Since that day, that he said, "I feel." Like, I'm starting to get there at the plate. That very next day, he hit two homers, and since then, he's starting to take off. Consistency is, is the key for Shohei at the plate, and it has been the key for Shohei on the mound this year. Next up with Shohei, I want to talk about what he does behind the scenes. I do a lot of talking about what he does on the field, the pitcher he is, the hitter he is, and rightfully so, that deserves to be talked about as much as I talk about it. But even more so, it deserves to be talked about what he does behind the scenes. Off the field. What he has done off the field is remarkable. I, I, you know, I have a, an episode with Ty France coming up. I was talking to Ty France recently and he's pitched a couple of times in his career and I joked with him about it like, hey, could we potentially be seeing a Shohei Otani sort of thing for you? And his response was, no way. Too much work. Now, One, he doesn't throw 100 miles an hour, but two, it is true. The work that goes on behind the scenes is remarkable. Even at the college level when I was trying to do this, it was too much work for me. You find yourself cutting corners and trying to do this and trying to do that. Shohei doesn't do it. He doesn't cut corners. He just becomes the best at whatever it is he's doing. I was fortunate enough last year in October to talk to A. Rod and David Ortiz about Shohei Ohtani, and they jokingly said he has to be single to do what he's doing because he just he he has so much time to do it, and they were joking about that. But it is true. What they said and what the point of their message rings true. What he does is just works harder at his craft than than I think we have ever seen before. Not to say people aren't working hard. Not to say my brother Justin, who's one of the greatest pitchers of all time, isn't working hard. Not to say Mike Trout, who's one of the greatest of all time and his teammate isn't working hard. He's doing that work that they're each doing and combining it to be a pitcher and a hitter. That's what makes it so remarkable. That's what makes it so special. It is, it is special. And it is something we have never seen. The work that he has to put in behind the scenes. And if you're listening and if you watch what Shohei is doing and on the field and say, wow, that's impressive, multiply it by a million and be that impressed because what he does off the field is he eats sleeps, and breathes baseball, and it is an absolute treat and an honor for us to get to watch Shohei Otani play baseball. I feel honored that I was born in the same lifetime and get to watch Shohei Otani play the game of baseball. That's what it is. That's what it means to the game. That's what he means to me. Lastly, I have to talk about how much fun he is having. It was Cowboy Night the other night at the stadium, and on the scoreboard, when Shohei came up to bat, they had him with a cowboy hat on and perhaps the greatest mustache I have ever seen. And it made me wonder, and it makes me ask the question, and if you're watching this, answer this. Should Shohei grow out a mustache? Because it looks great. Imagine, imagine Shohei Ohtani walking around with that mustache, hitting 50 bombs in a season and striking out everybody and twirling his mustache as he does it. That would be fantastic. But that does it for this week in Shohei Ohtani news. It really is my favorite segment of the show. Thank you all for listening to this week in Shohei Ohtani news. All right, and now it is time to get into my list of top five pitchers in Major League Baseball this year. Last week we did the top hitters. Now we're doing the top pitchers. And let's start at number five. I got Corbin Burns there at number five. The NL Cy Young Award winner last year, still throwing well this year. A 2.26 ERA, 62 strikeouts, and a whip under one. A 0.83 whip. Look, he's one and two on the year, one win. I am here to say, I don't care about record. I couldn't care any less about record. It is a total stat that honestly isn't up to you. He's been throwing great. He is at number five on this list. At number four, we're going to stick with the Brewers and go with Josh Hader. Josh Hader has been lights out, hands down, the best closer in the game of baseball. And this year, it has been historic That's why he's on my list of top five pitchers. It has been historic. He has appeared in 15 games, and he has 15 saves. That's an all-time record for the most consecutive appearances with a save. It's been remarkable. Josh Hader this season, 15 games, 15 saves, 13 and two-thirds innings, zero runs, opponents are two for 44. Off of him. Five walks and 21 strikeouts. I'm going to repeat that. Two for 44 off of him at the plate. It has been remarkable. Um, I mean, zero earned runs, 21 Ks, and just over 13 innings. That's why he's on this list. It's, It's historic what he's doing. He could put himself... He could put himself in the Cy Young conversation, if this keeps up. Is this, is this, can you keep this up? I don't know, but he's certainly worthy of being on my list of top pitchers this year. He's in at number four. At number three on this list, Nasty Nestor Cortez. Imagine we're at the beginning of April, and you hear Nasty Nestor Cortez is going to be a top pitcher in the game of baseball. You would have called me crazy, but guess what? He is. He's three and one on the year with a 1.80 ERA and 56 strikeouts. He's been remarkable. He has been the best pitcher in that Yankees rotation, which is impressive because Garrett Cole has still been really good, especially over the last, you know, four or five starts that he's had. Nestor Cortez has been great. He's been striking out everybody. I remember he even said earlier in this year, he just said, I'm just trying to strike out everybody. And he is. As a guy that's throwing with not near the the stuff that some other guys have. He's not throwing 100 miles an hour. He's throwing low 90s, but he's doing it from 100 different arm slots and his stuff's moving all over the place. Nestor Cortez has been great. He comes in at number three on this list of top five pitchers. At number two... Pablo Lopez, Miami Marlins, he's been awesome. There's there's no other way to say it. I watched his start the other day. He's throwing really well. He's pinpointing everything. And his changeup has just been on another level. So down there in Miami, that rotation is special. There's a lot of really good guys, a lot of really good arms in that rotation. But Pablo Lopez has stepped up this year and been remarkable. He comes in at number two. And at number one, on my list of the top five pitchers in baseball, number one is Justin Verlander. You know what's cool about this? Is I can put my brother at the top of this list, and I have put him at the top of this list, and there's not a single thing anybody can say about it. You want to know why? Because let's go through this. He has allowed the fewest extra base hits this year, five. He's allowed 5 extra base hits all year. He has the lowest DRA, the lowest WHIP, the lowest opponent batting average, the lowest on-base percentage, and the lowest slugging percentage of any pitcher in baseball, and those aren't even really close. He is the best pitcher in baseball. It has been absolutely incredible to watch. He has had 3 consecutive starts where he hasn't given given up a run. And oh yeah, He hasn't pitched in almost two years. He's 39 years old, and he's coming off of Tommy John surgery. It's special. It is absolutely incredible what he is doing this year, and I just love that I am able to put Justin Verlander, my brother, at the top of the list of top five pitchers in Major League Baseball. All right, and as with every Monday episode, I like to wrap up with a little extra inning segment. One final thing, a final thought, something that jumps out to me, whether it be something that is cool, something that's funny, whatever it may be. And this week, I want to talk about Mike Trout. Mike Trout is going to be, and might already be, on my Mount Rushmore of baseball players all time. And he accomplished something the other night that is already putting him in a category all by himself. And it's pretty special. He scored his 1,000th run the other night. 1,000 runs. The territory that puts him in is he is the only player in MLB history with 1,000 runs, 200-plus stolen bases, and a 1,000-plus OPS in his age 30 season. Nobody There's not a single person that has ever done that. Mike Trout is a GOAT. He is the greatest that we, as in this generation, this generation of talent on the field, have ever seen. It truly is remarkable what we are seeing. Mike Trout has just scored his 1,000th career run. This tweet came from Angels PR. He's the second player in Angels history to score 1,000 runs. Garrett Anderson is the only other one. He's the third player in MLB history with 1,000-plus runs, 300-plus homers, 200-plus stolen bases by his his age 30 season, joining Willie Mays and Alex Rodriguez, two of the greatest to ever do it. You add on that 1,000 or better OPS, and he is the only one to ever do it. Mike Trout is a legend. He is one of the greatest to ever do it. And we should all feel honored that we are able to watch him play. And hopefully the angels can get him into the playoffs this year because he deserves it. The world deserves it. Everybody should get to watch Mike Trout. One of the greatest to ever do it in the playoffs. But that does it for this week's episode of flipping bats. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you download, subscribe, wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple, Spotify, whatever it may be. Uh, It really helps if you rate it five stars and make sure you're following on all social medias. We have a lot of fun there. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and every episode you can watch the video of it on YouTube at Flippin' Bats Pod. This has been a blast. The first episode of the week is off and running. We will have a guest episode for you on Wednesday, so don't miss that. But thank you all for listening, and I will see you all on Wednesday. Peace.